Yo, yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Wrestling Takeover Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Turner. This is episode 117 of the podcast. I'm bringing to you guys hot topics in pro wrestling, number 31. And we got a lot to get to. So here's what's in store on today's show. There's a lot of topics in pro wrestling in the WWE, AEW, and New Japan pro wrestling. So let's get right into it right here on the Wrestling Takeover Podcast. Welcome to... You're listening to the Wrestling Takeover. What is your name? With your host, Jordan Turner, who's always going to keep it real. Come on, King. Inside and outside the ring. Let me make myself clear. He's got the fans behind him, King. It's time to take over, King. Are you ready? He's all fired up now, King. Take over. Let's go. Let's go, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you guys for listening. If you guys haven't subscribed and followed to the Wrestling Takeover podcast, I suggest you guys do that. You guys are going to be listening to one of the most passionate and most creative wrestling fans in the entire IWC. Somebody that brings a lot of creativity to the podcast game. And if you guys can go do that for me, subscribe and follow on all available podcast platforms. Also, make sure you guys go follow me on the Twitter at JT King and follow me on Instagram. Follow the podcast on Instagram at The Wrestling Takeover. Shout out to all the people on Instagram that are following me on there. Let's get the show started immediately right out the gate talking about WWE new president Nick Khan as he is gaining more control and more power in the W. WE. So this I am taking from Ringside News. Shout out to Ringside News. So WWE President Nick Khan changed a lot of things when he took his position. He is still arguing things as many of the internal reconstructing is in his call. So Nick Khan separated the zombie invasion at WrestleMania Backlash. A move that is absolutely ridiculous. I still cannot get over that we had zombies on a pay-per-view during the Damien, Damien uh, Priest. I almost said Damien sound out. Damien Priest and The Miz. That was ridiculous, and it actually made The Miz get injured. Um, I didn't comment on this before, but I want to send my condolences to The Miz. I hope you have a speedy recovery, brother, and um, shout out to you. So, Nick... Um, is taking more control over the WWE, like I said. WWE fired a lot of people yesterday, and they didn't limit those releases to the United States. According to PW Insider, WWE also fired, I quote, a number of major international office staffers. This was done to allow Nick Khan to take a tighter grip on the promotion. Now, before I continue, so let me get this straight. So, People, you know, from different ventures outside of the United States got fired. I, I want to make this point. I really love that wrestling fans, but not just wrestling fans, but wrestling promotions, you know, differing between releasing and firing. Releasing is the nicer term to you're fired. Okay. Cut the shit. If you let someone go. They're fired, okay? They're fired. There's no difference between releasing and firing someone. 
You're letting them go. You fired them. Why don't you just come out and be blunt? Be transparent. This isn't just WWE. This is, you know, other wrestling promotions, you know, in North America and around the world. You fired that specific person. So I really love that people, you know, want to take the high road and say, yeah, someone is released. Woo, woo, woo. Nah, they got fired. Simple. Now, I'm going to continue the article here. The story making the rounds is that WWE president Nick Khan in another show of his growing power will personally be overseeing those offices in order to keep them in close eximing with the WWE AQ here in the United States. So Nick Khan pretty much has taken over power in the WWE. Now, I want to make this point. Nick Khan was the guy that pretty much hired Adnan Verk. Okay? Adnan Verk. He's very familiar. Now, he used to commentate for the NHL MLB. He's pretty much an MLB legend commentator, right? When he came into the WWE, it was a new venture for him. I don't know if he was a fan of WWE or just wrestling in general. He had to learn on the fly. And Vince McMahon and Nick Khan pretty much put Adnan Verk in, you know, the sea. They put that dude in the deep end, in the water, immediately out of the gate. And this guy couldn't swim. He just wasn't clicking from a commentary or from a wrestling commentary perspective. He doesn't have that wrestling commentary voice. He doesn't. He has that MLB. He has that, you know, NHL type commentary, you know, atmosphere about him. And I know Vince McMahon is starting to, you know, put people in positions that do commentary for UFC or, you know, Showtime Boxing or NBA, NHL, MLB, you know, from a sports, you know, parameter. I love that. You know, I want my wrestling show to have a sports like feel. I've been saying that for many, many years. And I feel like that is exactly what needs to happen with these commentaries, you know. And Nick Khan is pretty much taking control of the WWE from a decision standpoint. Vince McMahon is slowly but surely giving more power to Nick Khan. And it feels like Vince McMahon, when he leaves, is going to give that power to Nick Khan and not Triple H and not Shane or Stephanie McMahon. That's the vibe that I'm receiving here with this news article with Nick Khan. Now, check this out. Nick Khan made a terrible call. I know Adnan Verk and he were friends as the you know news was going out about that. You cannot keep... This is the problem that I had with AEW with the EVPs. And I went on a complete rant about that with Cody Rose, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. And Tony Khan hiring those people in higher positions you cannot hire your you know best friends to be in these positions and then they not do so good and it adds a reflection on you you know you can't do that pity party bullshit where you're putting your best friends in higher spots you know you need to put the best 
of the best in these positions. Like the commentary. The commentary in the WWE is incredibly lacking. Heavy. Okay? And I want to get into this right now with uh, Tom Phillips actually being let go. That's crazy to me. Um, Tom Phillips was in WWE for, I believe, nine years, it said. And he wasn't actually that bad on commentary, but Vince McMahon kept, you know, putting stuff in their ear, telling them to say this and that. But then I go on SmackDown and I, I listen to SmackDown commentary team. And Pat McAfee is a big star on that commentary team with he and Michael Cole. He and Michael Cole have phenomenal chemistry. But it's funny that they only have two people on commentary. And on Monday Night Raw, they have three. I've always said that you need to have only two people on commentary. I get they have a third one, a play-by-play analysis type of dude. But I personally would rather see just a two-man booth on commentary. And Tom Phillips being let go was a shocker. I was stunned. We were all stunned when Tom Phillips got let go. He was pretty good. He wasn't the best. But he was a voice that I kind of knew. And I could understand that he's going to do his part. And he did his part very well. So I'm pretty surprised that he got released. Nick Khan's got to do better from a creative standpoint. There's a lot of things that the WWE needs to fix from a creative standpoint. My problem as a fan is creative. That's why I'm always on my show pitching ideas for certain storylines, for certain characters, and some direction for this promotion, WWE. My main problem is creative. I'm not going to bowl into the business aspect on money. My main focus on this show in terms of pitching ideas is from a creative standpoint, okay? I'm going to continue to do that. And in fact, I'm going to be doing that right now. So a couple minutes on this show right now, I'm going to be just pitching things that I would do if I was in charge of the WWE. Let's talk about the pay-per-view schedule. Because this Nick Khan story is giving me some ideas on pretty much I'm going to be pitching ideas to Nick Khan and to the WWE management team and the creative team because right now they're struggling. Like, let's keep it 100. Let's keep it real. Stop bullshitting around. The WWE, from a creative standpoint, sucks. Okay? The ratings are showing it. The ratings are telling you as an audience, as a viewing audience, are telling the WWE, the ratings are trash. They're terrible right now. And things need to be fixed quick and i'm gonna be pitching some ideas right now man so what i would do right out the gate is put monday night raw back to two hours i understand why they have three but three hours is just too long for a wrestling product it is so that would be one of the first things that i would immediately do out of the gate two hours for monday night raw the next thing that i would do change the pay-per-view schedule. Here's what I would do. You have January. You have the Royal Rumble. Okay? Every year in January, you got the Royal Rumble. All the months of February, you build towards WrestleMania. You got one full month 
to build towards WrestleMania, right? Build Mania in the month of February. There's no pay-per-view. That's all for WrestleMania. You get to March, that is WrestleMania. And then you come back from March, and I would do a break where I would have these superstars take a break, except for the creative team. The creative team comes up with new, fresh ideas, and we have the USA Network on Raw. We have Fox on SmackDown. They start promoting an upcoming WWE draft. And the WWE draft is the real official restart of the WWE in April. You have the draft and you start rolling with new characters, new storylines, and new matchups that we could see as a fan base. Include NXT in there. Put people that are not being used on the main roster, put them in NXT. People that are ready for the main roster from NXT, they come up to the main roster and vice versa. It's not that hard. So we do that, right? And then we get to, we have April, right? That's the WWE draft. You build towards May, which would be a themed show for either Raw or SmackDown. Whatever pay-per-view you want to come up with, that is a theme show. That's for May, okay? For June, same thing. We have another pay-per-view for Raw or SmackDown. And then we get to July, and that is King and Queen of the Ring. I'm having that return. If you have a King of the Ring, you got to have a Queen of the Ring because if you don't, you're going to have a lot of fans in the IWC bitching and complaining about the women getting, you know, not the attention that they deserve. They deserve a queen of the ring as well. If the men are getting, why aren't the women getting it? And that does make sense. And so throughout the entire month of June, you build Raw and SmackDown around the tournament. Okay? You build it around qualifying matches to enter the tournament. You get to the pay-per-view and that entire show. There's no titles on the line. There's nothing on the line besides the tournament. You get to, you know, the quarterfinals, and that's the main event. You get to the quarterfinals, or I would say semifinals of the show, and those two winners are going to go to the finals of the tournament for the men and the women at SummerSlam. Okay? They're going to go to the finals for SummerSlam. They're going to open the show, and then they get to challenge whoever is the champions in the main the main event and the co-main event. So the co-main event's going to be the women, and the main event's going to be the men for the world titles. That's what you do for SummerSlam. So you're making SummerSlam even more important than it already is because you have King and Queen of the Ring in July. And then next in October, you have another themed show. That would be Halloween Havoc. That's what I would do for the month of October. And so you have that in October for either Raw or SmackDown. I completely forgot September. There's a theme show for, you know, September as well. Uh, Clash of Champions. So you have Clash of Champions in September, which is a theme show that will air on USA Network or Fox. And same thing for October for Halloween Havoc airing on either Fox or the USA Network. And then we get to the last pay-per-view of the year for the major pay-per-views and that is 
Survivor Series. Okay, you have Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT as well. Or in this case, WWE just wants to have Raw and SmackDown. You do that. You have the winners that, you know, win the five-on-five for the men and the women get to pick the drawing early for the upcoming Royal Rumble pay-per-view in January. So not only are you making Survivor Series even more important, but you're also making the Royal Rumble important as well. So that is the schedule that I would book for the WWE schedule. Money in the bank. I didn't forget about that. Money in the bank is returning to WrestleMania. Returning back to its original home. Where it debuted at WrestleMania 21. And the Staples Center. It is returning to WrestleMania. That's what needs to happen. Period. These gimmick pay-per-views. Extreme rules. TLC. Money in the bank. Hell in a cell. It's got to go. These gimmick pay-per-views are doing nothing. You're devaluing these gimmick pay-per-views because you have it in its own pay-per-view in its own month. And these stipulations, you know, these stipulation matches aren't even that important anymore. So you got to make those stipulations more important. That's what I would do if I was Nick Khan, you know, build characters, build storylines, give us the viewers, you know, a reason to watch each and every Friday night and Monday night. So that's just my opinion on what I would do in terms of the pay-per-view schedule. You know, scripted promos would be out of the door. Give more influence to these wrestlers from a character's perspective and from a promo perspective. Okay, they know more than the writers do, to be honest with you, you know. So let the wrestlers kind of have the keys to the kingdom a little bit. You know, have, you know, the writers come up with a couple blueprints to talk about. And then trust the wrestlers to go out there and just do the rest of the work. That's all you got to do. It's not that difficult. Okay? WWE's got to take more chances. Vince McMahon has to start creating new stars. Stop relying on the same people. You keep relying on the... You guys know who those people are that I'm talking about. If you keep relying on those same people, you're not going to never build up new stars. You got to start building up new stars. You have those stars there. They're on the roster. You just got to put investment into them. And right now, the WWE has only put investment into a couple superstars that they know that are going to come through for them. And that's fine, but what about the other guys? You got to do something, man. You know, Monday Night Raw is very tough to get through. Monday Night Raw is majority negative. Friday Night SmackDown is holding on to a thread because of Roman Reigns and everything he's doing with the Usos. You know, you got the Intercontinental Championship pitcher is pretty good. The women's division on both brands is terrible. They're terrible. Their champions are not being booked strong whatsoever. A lot of things just got to, you know, come into fruition from a creative standpoint. And that's just my main problem with the WWE. It's creative. And I've always said it. Once you fix creative, everything else is going to fall in line. I promise you that everything else is going to fall in line. So that is the first topic that I wanted to talk about with Nick Khan. And so the next topic that I'm going to get into immediately out of the gate is talking about some SummerSlam matchups. SummerSlam is being rumored heavy 
right now in the IWC. And I'm going to be talking about some potential SummerSlam matchups. I'm going to be realistic as possible. And we got a rumor, which was very interesting. I kind of seen it yesterday. And it's talking about potential WrestleMania matches and a potential main event that the WWE is rumored, quote unquote, to schedule for that event. So WWE is discussing Roman Reigns versus John Cena for SummerSlam. This is again from Ringside News. WWE has not made an official announcement about SummerSlam's date or location yet, but that information is on the way. In fact, actually, WWE has made an announcement a couple hours ago, and it looks like SummerSlam is going to be taking place on a Saturday, which is very odd, and it looks like the location is going to be Las Vegas. So you Vegas fans out there, you guys are going to be getting SummerSlam, potentially, is what it's looking like. So congratulations to y'all. So there are a lot of things going on within the company, but the belief is that they have a card worthy of an NFL stadium show. Or do they? I doubt it. WWE has long-term plans. Bullshit. So according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, WWE is discussing the idea of Roman Reigns Versus John Cena for the Universal title at the biggest party of the summer. At this time, it is unknown how far along those talks are. But Cena and the WWE are in contract with each other. It was previously reported that John Cena is slated to go. At the, he was slated to be on the go-home show of Friday Night SmackDown before Money in the Bank. That has not been confirmed by the company either. But it seems that they are a couple of possible appearances in Cena's future. This is very interesting. Um, Roman Reigns versus Johnson. Listen, I'm going to pitch my SummerSlam card right now. And then I'm going to talk about the potential John Cena and Roman Reigns match. So here are some matches that I have in mind immediately out of the gate. That would make SummerSlam the biggest SummerSlam of all time. Okay, when you think of SummerSlam, you think of high profile, in this case, dream matches. Okay, SummerSlam is one of the big four pay-per-views. SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, and of course, WrestleMania. This is the biggest party of the summer, man. You need to make it seem like that. You got to put a lot of emphasis on SummerSlam's card. Enough of the pity crap. Enough of just putting matches together just to put matches together. Enough of the filler on these pay-per-views. I'm tired of wrestling companies putting filler matches that have no business on a pay-per-view card. A lot of promotions do it. AEW does it. WWE does it. You know, New Japan does it. Impact Wrestling. Every promotion has a couple matches that are on a pay-per-view card that are filler. Cut the shit. You need to put the best of the best on that card, especially if we're paying for it with our own money. Period. Simple. Everybody's got to fall in line with that shit. So here are some matches that I would personally book for SummerSlam that is going to be happening in August. 
So the first match that I would go right out of the gate to book is Seth Rollins versus Edge. Seth Rollins and Edge have a history. And I would play that into the television. You know, Seth Rollins is on SmackDown. Edge would go back to SmackDown. And they would start that feud. I remember on an episode of Talking Smack, which featured Paul Heyman and Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins mentioned it and it kind of took a dig at Adam Copeland, Edge. And that was very interesting. Was that WWE teasing an upcoming bout between Edge and Seth Rollins for SummerSlam? I think so. We'll see what happens. Edge is definitely going to be at SummerSlam. Who is he going to face? In my eyes, it should be Seth Rollins. And I really hope that's the case. The next match that I would book for SummerSlam is for the Intercontinental Championship. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn versus Big E versus Apollo Crews versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro in a six-man ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. I was going back and forth on what match should represent the Intercontinental Championship. All those guys deserve to be on SummerSlam's card. Why not create a complex storyline for the Intercontinental Championship that all these men are trying to go after Apollo Crews' Intercontinental Championship? Apollo Crews, building up to this match, has beef with everybody. Every man that I just mentioned has beef, or he has beef, with those people. They want that title. They're going to do everything they can to get that championship. Okay, you want that title? You need to face him in a ladder match. All those men. So that's a match that I would do. Another match that I think the WWE is going to go with, but I would do personally, is the Usos versus Rey Mysterio and Dominic at SummerSlam for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Usos are going to be tag team champions in the next coming months. Like, let's just stop bullshitting around, okay? They are winning that championship. Rey Mysterio and Dominic, I love that they're champions. It's great. It's a feel-good story. I was very happy for Rey Mysterio because he has always wanted to have a tag team championship win with his son, and he got it. It was a great moment. I wish there were really fans in the crowd but it is what it is. So that's what I would do. I think the WWE is going to go that route. So we got three matches down. Another match that I would book is Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair 2 at SummerSlam, but in a stipulation type match. You build it up. And the stipulation that I would go with is an I quit match. Now, there's a problem with this. Someone is going to have to say I quit. Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks have the personality where they don't say I quit. And that's true. So if you instead want to do a last women's standing match, you can do that while having the loser be booked strong. So, while I'm thinking a I quit match would be legendary and iconic, you know, hearing one of those women say I quit, from a character perspective and how both women have just boss-type personalities, 
you know, and type of I'm that bitch personality. And I quit match, I think, is going to kind of kill their characters. So I believe a last woman standing match is the best bet. Uh, guys, I have no notes here. I am just shooting the shit with you guys for this specific topic. And so ideas are flowing in my mind right now. So Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, I would put them in a last women's standing match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This is because I am having Sasha Banks pretty much win the Women's Royal Rumble and immediately out of the gate, cashing it in on Bianca Belair. And they're going to have the last women's standing match at SummerSlam for that title. That is what I would do. Let me know what you guys think. Now, Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, the head of the table, okay? The guy that is pretty much putting WWE on his shoulders right now. He's the best thing on WWE television. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can disagree, and that's fine. But the reality is, Roman Reigns is the hottest thing in WWE. We can have different opinions and everything. That's that's fine. That's what I love about wrestling. That's what I love about wrestling fans. We have different opinions. But this is the reality of the situation. Roman Reigns is the best thing. So Roman Reigns, who does he face at SummerSlam? You could do Seth Rollins. They got history. You could do John Cena. They got history. I heard a possible match with Finn Balor. Shout out to JD from NY206, man. He pitched that idea, and it got me thinking. You could do Finn Balor because Finn Balor has history with Roman Reigns. He beat Roman Reigns on an episode of Monday Night Raw to become the Universal Champion on an episode of Monday Night Raw and that little tournament that they brought forth. I would believe it was back in 2016, I believe. So it would be great for Finn Balor to get his rematch against Roman Reigns. Maybe Roman Reigns can talk shit about, you know, how Finn Balor is this and that. You know, you ain't a prince. I'm the tribal chief. Fuck your prince. And I'm the prince over here. I'm the head of the table. I'm the king of this board. Like he stated on an episode of SmackDown where he was going back and forth with Kevin Owens. I'm the king of this board. Period. So you can do something like that. And you could do something to a point where, you know, you can have Roman Reigns kind of take jabs at the Demon King. The Demon King. And then you can bring the Demon King out for SummerSlam. The Demon King, listen, I'm at a point where now, you know, the Fiend is screwed. Okay? You've had the Fiend lose multiple times. So if the Demon King has to lose and take a bow to the king of the board, the tribal chief at SummerSlam. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. I'm down for it. The promos back and forth between Paul Heyman, Roman, and Finn Balor would be great stuff. What about John Cena? This matchup is so intriguing to me. I had people in the IWC mention that you know, John Cena versus Roman Reigns is a WrestleMania type of match. Of course it is. Especially this Roman Reigns. Of course it is. But you need an opponent for Roman. You need an opponent for Roman Reigns. And you need to do it now. You got to start thinking about it right now at this moment. 
John Cena is rumored to be coming back. I think this plan that the WWE is going to implement and put into gear is John Cena versus Roman Reigns. And I do believe it will happen at SummerSlam. John Cena, Roman Reigns, that promo on Monday Night Raw is easily in my top five of, in terms of a segment of all time. The personal animosity that John Cena was given to the babyface version, the boring version of Roman Reigns. And then you take this Roman Reigns and you give him a live microphone. I think Roman Reigns can hold his own. I don't think Roman Reigns can beat John Cena promo to promo. But this time, I think Roman Reigns is going to be able to throw more jabs at John Cena and able to hold his own on a microphone against one of the best on the microphone of all time, John Cena. This is money. I personally would go with John Cena versus Roman Reigns for SummerSlam for the Universal Championship. Why is John Cena going to come back and lose? I said it before. I don't give a damn who you put in Roman Reigns' direction. He needs to beat them all. John Cena included. He's got to beat John Cena. He's got to beat this one. He's got to beat that one. I want Roman Reigns to surpass CM Punk's reign. As WWE champion. It's got to happen. And I love CM Punk. But the run that Roman is on. He needs to pass you. And right now I'm a pitch. I am about to pitch. One of the best possible booking ideas. The WWE can do. Vince McMahon. Paul Heyman. Roman Reigns himself. Triple H. Stephanie McMahon, the creative team, everybody in management. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. I love coming up with ideas, man. I really do. Because my ideas are going to benefit WWE in the long run. Trust me on that. Trust me. Here is an idea that immediately popped up in my mind. I wasn't even thinking about this. It just came up immediately. Roman Reigns has one more day left. One more night left to surpass CM Punk's reign as the longest reigning world champion in the modern history in the WWE right now. I am praying wherever that, you know, night takes place, it's a pay-per-view. If not, you build it on SmackDown. CM Punk comes back. You know how Roman Reigns and CM Punk have genuine quote-unquote beef? I don't know if they have it now, but they had it before. You take that and you also add the element of Roman Reigns is about to beat CM Punk's reign and you add that element also into the storyline with he and Roman Reigns. And then you have the Paul Heyman effect. Paul Heyman was with CM Punk at one time. You put that element in the storyline as well. You got three elements. One, Paul Heyman. The second one, Roman Reigns and CM Punk had history. And the third one, Roman Reigns has one more day. To surpass CM Punk 
as the longest reigning WWE champion in WWE history. Oh yeah, by the way, his opponent that he's facing is CM Punk. Please do that. Please just do it. Roman Reigns, CM Punk for the Universal Championship. It's the last day that Roman Reigns has. He needs to beat CM Punk to ultimately go to the next day and surpass him as the longest reigning world champion in WWE history. Please think about that idea, CM Punk, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and especially Vince McMahon. Please think about that idea would be so brilliant. So brilliant. So those are the matches that I would personally do for SummerSlam. Let me know what you guys think about that. I mean, you can do something with The Fiend and Jeff Hardy. That would be something great. Willow versus The Fiend. That would be something that I would love to see. You know, I would honestly bring up Adam Cole. And I would do Adam Cole versus Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam for the WWE Championship. Because if memory serves me correct, wasn't it Adam Cole that debuted when Andrade Cien Almas, you know, lost to Drew McIntyre at TakeOver? And Adam Cole, Bay Bay, he came out and he attacked Drew McIntyre and held up the NXT Championship. And he was looking down at Drew McIntyre. And it never happened. We never had that match. You need to take that. What happened? And that is the, that's the blueprint for Drew McIntyre versus Adam Cole at SummerSlam for the WWE Championship. That's what you need to do. Book it. And lastly, the last match that I would book Everybody is talking about it. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley in a dream match. No titles need to be on the line. You put Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley in a promo, in a promotion. You promote that match. People are going to come and watch that. I promise you. That is a, I pretty much named the best possible SummerSlam card. You know, you got Aleister Black. If you want to flip off, you know, Cesaro and replace him with Aleister Black, I think that would be great. And in fact, I'm going to switch up the Intercontinental Championship. Maybe you can do Big E getting his championship back going after Aleister Black for the Intercontinental Championship. And then you can do Cesaro, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Nakamura in a fatal four-way number one contenders match with the winner being the next contender for the Intercontinental Championship. You, in fact, that's what I would do. That's what I would do. Biggie. Alistair Black for the Intercontinental Championship. Kevin Owens, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, and Apollo Crews in a fatal four-way. Winner is the new number one contender for the Inter.
Continental Championship. What about the Raw Women's Championship? Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know. I really don't know about the Raw Women's Championship. WWE has done the women on Monday Night Raw absolutely dirty. They really have. You got to put the best possible match on that card. You got Becky. She could come back. You got Charlotte Flair. You got Rhea Ripley. What's the best possible match that you can do? I would honestly do Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam. Charlotte Flair can go on a break or whatever you want to do. Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch is the best bet. That needs to be for the Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam. Becky Lynch, the man, will be back in time for SummerSlam, I believe. So you build up Becky back up again. You got Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley has stated that she wants to face Becky Lynch. Take that. Put them two in the Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam. I just gave you the best possible SummerSlam match in the entire IWC. Nobody's going to come up with a better card than what I just came up with right now. Period. I did. This was easy as pie. Is the WWE going to do these matches? I highly doubt it. Probably, they'll probably, most likely, I say they'll do two out of, you know, the 10 that I just named right now. We'll see what happens. Those are my thoughts on John Cena Roman and the idea of the card that I would book for SummerSlam. Next up, you guys, I want to talk about Jim Ross as he is talking about Randy Orton and Kenny Omega. Now, a lot of people are, I don't know why you guys are doing this, but you guys are pretty much taking shit way too seriously. Okay? Way too seriously. This is Jim Ross's opinion, y'all. You have your opinion. I got my opinion. I'm going to give you guys my opinion on this after I read this article. But this is Jim Ross's opinion, guys. You're not going to change his opinion. You guys are on social media. It's tre- Kenny Omega's name is trending. Randy Orton's name's trending. You guys made his comments that he made into a worldwide trend. That's laughable to me. That's laughable. I, I, I can't believe you guys did that shit. But it is what it is. It's social media, man. Everybody has different views and opinions, and that's fine. That's why we love pro wrestling. So this is from Wrestling Headlines. Shout out to Wrestling Headlines. Uh, Jim Ross addresses controversy about him calling Randy Orton the best wrestler in the world. This was written by Andrew Ravens. So shout out to Andrew Ravens. Jim Ross recently spoke on his Grilling JR podcast about how he thinks Randy Orton being the best wrestler in the world. Because of these comments, he received some backlash among fans Well, the AW commentary addressed it during his latest edition of his podcast. He said, I quote, we have little controversy going about who I am apparently said that I thought Randy Orton was the best wrestler in the world. People forget that I recruited these guys 
I've had a business of association with a guy like Randy Orton since day one. Coach Barry Switzer said, I quote, you're recruit these kids for life. And I kind of take that to heart. I've helped a lot of guys who got down on their luck and needed a check with what you have way past WWE days. Apparently people thought I was blind missing Kenny Omega. Nothing could be farther from the truth. How many times have I said to you, I quote, Coward Thomas, I can have many options to this question and have many answers. I don't think that how you could be such an issue. I just don't get it. So Kenny Omega, listen, it is what it is. I'm going to finish off this article and I'm going to give you guys my opinion. So he continues and he says, I really don't understand the information is regarding this topic that is so objective. There's no right or wrong answer, which is true. Like I said, guys, this is his opinion. He's the best in the world based on what? Arm drags, drop-toed headlocks, money drawn, major main event headlines, tenure. What is the criteria? TV ratings? I don't know the uh, cinematic is what these things and that are going on. Anybody can debate me and tell me that Randy Orton is not one of the best in the world and will have a hard time winning that argument. Anybody can debate me and say, well, I think Kenny Omega is. Well, you make a good point. I don't have any problem with that. Kenny Omega is the AEW champion. He's a hell of a hand. There's nothing about it. But godly, people are so sensitive, people are so sensitive right now. But that's the whole taunt and tenure of social media. I'm not sure how great in some sense that social media is for pro wrestling today. Because it's a little too botchy and a little too bitchy. One little missed word, one little missed move, and it's because of major issues. It's getting a little bit predictable, first of all, but it's getting a little bit tiresome, if you know what I'm saying. So that is Jim Ross's opinion on Randy Orton and Kenny Omega. Check this out, guys. Okay? This is my opinion on what Jim Ross had to say. That's his opinion. You are not going to turn him from coming up with a different opinion. That's what he thinks. He thinks Randy Orton is better than Kenny Omega. Now, let's talk about money draws. Is Kenny Omega a draw? Fuck no. Fuck no. I'm going to let you know that right now. AEW Marks, I'm letting you all know right now. I love Kenny Omega, but Kenny Omega is more of a draw than Randy Orton. Absolutely not. Let's talk about wrestling. Is Kenny Omega the best wrestler? Is he better from an in-ring perspective than Randy Orton? From rope to rope, from hold to hold, from move to move. I believe Kenny Omega is very arsenal. He can do a lot of things. He can do hardcore. He can do high flying. He can do power. If you are an old school head, you are going to choose Randy Orton. Simple. If you are this new generation of fans who, like myself, I kind of fall in this category where I love a wrestler that does power. I love a wrestler that does submissions. I also love a wrestler that does high flying and technical prowess. I love a wrestler that does everything and it's molded into one pro wrestler. Okay? That's why from an in-ring perspective, I love Daniel Bryan. I love Kenny Omega. I love AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. These guys can do power. 
These guys can do high-flying moves. These guys can do submissions, right? This guy can tell stories. These guys can tell stories in the ring. I love it. I love that these wrestlers nowadays aren't just doing power moves, that are just doing submission moves, that are just doing high-flying moves, etc. They're doing everything molded into one professional wrestler. I love that. That's my personal opinion. And for that, I do want to go with Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega does everything molded into one. He does submissions. He does high-flying moves. He does power moves. He's technical. He tells stories. What about Randy Orton? Randy Orton tells stories. When it comes to doing moves that are so smoothly, like a drop kick, like attacking a body part, Randy Orton's one of the best of all time in that discussion, period. When you want to talk about someone that picks apart his opponent, Randy Orton's one of the best ever. Randy Orton has one of the best finishers in all the fucking pro wrestling all time. The RKO was better than the Tombstone. The RKO was better than the Stunner. The RKO is better than the F5. The Batista Bomb. The Twist of Fate. Every fucking finisher that you've ever seen. The RKO is better. Leaps and bounds better than any other finisher in professional wrestling. That's my favorite move of all time. It's always been my favorite finisher of all time. And it will continue to be my favorite finisher of all time. You know why? Because it can legitimately come out of nowhere. You could be walking down a goddamn street. Randy Orton coming out of nowhere. RKO. You could be in a store. RKO. It don't matter. Okay? He has the best finisher of all time. His wrestling ability is slow. Obviously, he's getting up there in age. You know, he still has the best dropkick in the business. But from a wrestling prowess perspective, it's subjective, guys. It's subjective. Me, I'm more of a Kenny Omega head. I like someone that does every move, and he, he does it all in one. Like I've stated before, those moves, aerials, power moves, submissions, hardcore moves, he does everything like that. That's what I'm looking for for a wrestler. I'm not looking for someone that just does power or submission, or technical prowess, or high-flying. I want someone that does everything. So that's my opinion on that. Let me know what you guys think about Kenny Omega and Randy Orton and who you guys think is better. Now, let's get. we're going right into this stuff. We're not going to stop. Let's get right into AEW and Double or Nothing, which is coming up this Sunday. Now, I'm going back and forth. Regarding me watching the show, what am I going to do? Am I going to watch? Am I going to review it? I'm not sure. But I'm going to be definitely, you know, talking about it. I'm going to give you guys my predictions on double or nothing. So let's get right into it, man. So AEW, I, like I said, I haven't really been watching AEW on a consistent basis. Um, I kind of haven't really been watching these wrestling shows because... There's no fans, and it's hard to watch. That's why I haven't been reviewing these shows. There's no fans, so it's hard to get invested. And also, from a creative standpoint, these shows are incredibly lacking creativity. That's my thoughts. And But well, when fans come back, they're going to be coming back real soon. I will be watching these shows. I will be reviewing these wrestling shows once again. So, 
like I said, just be patient and stay tuned. I'm going to be coming back. But right now, I'm just taking a long break, a long extensive break from reviewing these wrestling shows on a weekly basis. But AEW Double or Nothing will be taking place this weekend. I'll let you guys know if I'm going to be reviewing it. Most likely I will, but like I said, I'll keep you guys updated. So here is the updated card for Double or Nothing. AEW World Championship on the line. Kenny Omega, the champion, versus Orange Cassidy and Pac. My prediction is Kenny Omega. I'm just going to move on. There's no way Pac wins. I love Pac, but Pac is not winning the AEW Championship. Orange Cassidy, I don't get Orange Cassidy. I, um, you know, there's a lot of people that love Orange Cassidy. I don't love him. He's cool, but I'm not a big fan. And I just don't get Orange Cassidy, in my personal opinion. But I am going to go with Kenny Omega. This is going to be a great match. Got three great professional wrestlers. So they're going to duke it out. It should be a great match. Kenny Omega is going to retain the AEW championship. You have to wait for the right opponent to come around to be the one that is on the level of Kenny Omega. And then if that is the case, that is when Kenny Omega drops the AEW championship. That is the same mentality that I have for Roman Reigns. Until Roman Reigns, until someone that is on the level of Roman Reigns, from a character's perspective, from an in-ring perspective, from a promo perspective, that's when you take the championship off Roman Reigns and Kenny Omega. Until then, they need to be champions for the foreseeable future. So I got Kenny Omega. AEW Women's Championship up for grabs. Hikaru Shida, the champion, versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. I fucking love Britt Baker. Her progression, her development has really been eye-opening to me. You know, I love seeing someone that is struggling from an in-ring perspective, from a character's perspective, from a promo perspective, and they get better and better. And better and better. Each and every week you see them on TV. Britt Baker is the personification of that. Britt Baker is incredible. I love Britt Baker. Shout out to Britt Baker. Dr. DMD. And Carl Sheeta's reign as AEW Women's Champion will be coming to a screeching halt. Her reign has been long. I love it. You know what I mean? I love reigns that last this long because when they lose, it feels important. That's what they need to start doing. These wrestling promotions. Have someone win the title. Trust them. Give them a long reign. Give them a dominant reign. Because when they lose, eventually, it's going to feel more important. I promise you that. And that's what's been happening with Lucaro Shida. But her reign is sadly going to definitely be coming to an end. They want to build around Britt Baker. It is obvious. They actually have been wanting to do it since day one, but she wasn't that good from a promos perspective, from an in-ring perspective. But my God, she is improving each and every week. And you got to love it as a wrestling fan. And you got to love it as a promotion. And I know AEW loves it. So shout out to both women. They're going to have a great match. And I can't wait to see it. But ultimately, Britt Baker is going to be the new AEW Women's Champion. She is going to be the new queen in that division. Up next, Cody Rhodes 
versus Anthony Agogo. I don't know what the fuck is going on here. Um, Cody Rhodes is just in a match just to be in it. That's the vibe I've been getting from the IWC. And, you know, I've watched some clips of this leading to this match. Cody Rhodes is here just to be in the match. It is unnecessary. He does not need to be in here. But he's Cody Rhodes and, you know, he, he wants to do all this pompous stuff. That's fine. He wants to make himself seem like a big deal. Cody Rhodes. Listen, bro. You're not a big deal. You are not a John Cena. You are not a Roman Reigns. You are not a Triple H. You're not the guy. You act like it. You look like it. You don't feel like it to me. You wrestle like it. But you don't feel like a top guy. AEW can try all they want. I don't care. Okay? Cody Rhodes does not feel like a top guy that you would build your promotion around. Fuck no. Absolutely not. But I love you, Cody Rhodes. That is just my opinion. Anthony Agogo. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. And I don't give a fuck. All I know is Anthony Agogo better do something at double or nothing. This guy needs to put on a Shawn Michaels classic against Cody Rhodes because Cody Rhodes is a great storyteller. Cody Rhodes, actually, he's a phenomenal storyteller. He's a great wrestler. He's going to bring the best out of everybody he's in the ring with, and that is a fact. So Anthony Agogo better bring up something or he's going to be trending for all the wrong reasons. I got Anthony Agogo to upset Cody Rhodes. Adam Hangman Page versus Brian Cage. Uh, that rhymes. I don't know. Now, I'm not sure what's going on with this feud. I'm not sure what's going on here. If I had to guess, this is going to be a great match. You got two great pro wrestlers duking it out here. This should be great. I'm actually going to go with... Here's the problem. Adam Hangman Page needs to be start being built up to be a serious threat for Kenny Omega when the time comes. When the time is right. I believe that needs to be Kenny Omega's next opponent for AEW All Out in September. Adam Hangman Page. Brian Cage, I've loved him since his days in Impact and Lucha Underground. He's phenomenal. Shout out to Brian Cage. I love you, man. You're really great. You fall in that category with Kenny Omega and Seth Rollins where he's versatile. You know, he's a big dude. So seeing at, you know, seeing Brian Cage, you would think immediately, okay, this guy's just all power. You're wrong. He's very versatile. He has an arsenal. Okay, he's doing knee strikes, elbow strikes, palm strikes, you know, drop kicks and everything. Moonsaults. Come on, man. It's ridiculous. This should be a phenomenal match. I believe this match is on the card just to, you know, have that classic bout. It's going to be a great match. My opinion is Adam Hangman Page is going to win. He's got to build momentum heading into his eventual match, I believe, with Kenny Omega at AEW All Out in September. Next up is the Casino Battle Royale. The participants include Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse, Will Hobbs, Penta L. Zito Meadow, Jungle Boy, Matt Hardy, 
Mark Quinn, Isaiah Cassidy, The Blade, Evil Uno, Coke Cabana, Prince and Vince. I don't know who that is. Griff Gartson. I don't know who that is. Brian Pilmer Jr. Shout out to Brian Pilmer Jr., man. I love that he's getting this opportunity. This is great for him. Mac Caster and Anthony Bonus. QT Marshall. I don't care for QT Marshall whatsoever. Nick Camarato. I don't know who that is. Dustin Rhodes and Lee Johnson and also a name to be announced. I don't know who's winning this. My gut's telling me Christian Cage. I think that makes sense. It's either Christian Cage or it's going to be the person that's going to be announced coming soon. Now, there's many names thrown around. Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, um, Andrade Cien Almas is being rumored to participate in this match. I'm going to go with the safe bet being Christian Cage. I see him winning. But, you know, Andrade, do I see him debuting in AEW? Yes. Can I see him debut in this match? Yes. We'll see what happens. Maybe Tessa Blanchard. We'll see what happens. This should be very interesting. Up next is the TNT Championship. Miro's the champion versus Lance Archer. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I'm not a fan of Lance Archer. I don't get Lance Archer. Miro needs to be built up as a dominant monster, as a dominant force. And him winning the TNT Championship is the best decision. Miro needs to win and he needs to retain the TNT Championship. Simple. Next up, we are going to get Inner Circle versus The Pinnacle in a stadium stampede match. This match needs to be live. No pre-record bullshit, Tony Khan. No pre-record crap. You have fans in the arena that are going to be in this show. They do not want to look up and watch a monitor of these wrestlers wrestling. Period. This needs to be live. And if it's not, I'm going to go on a rant. Don't do those fans dirty. You bring them back and then you had to, in one of the matches of the night, you got to have them watch on a screen. Cut the shit. This needs to be live. The pinnacle is great. I love the pinnacle. MJF is, MJF is a national treasure. And this guy's so young. He's like in my age. 25, what is he? 23, 24, 25. One of those three ages. My God. He's a dime a dozen in this business. He's not the greatest wrestler, but him on the promo and he has a personality. That's going to trump his wrestling ability. They're not going to be talking about his wrestling ability. They're going to be talking about his personality. So I definitely see the pinnacle winning here. They need all the momentum that they can get. Chris Jericho is quote-unquote injured. I think it's bullshit, but he says he's really injured, so I'm going to take him on his word, but I think it's bullshit. But... This should be a great match. The last stadium stampede match last year was really great. It was really fun and exciting. So this should be no different. I'm going to go with the pinnacle to win here. Even though they did win war games. So maybe the inner circle get a revenge. But this storyline has been going on for far too long. And it's got to end with the pinnacle beating the inner circle. Up next, we got Sting and Darby Allen 
versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Who gives a fuck about Ethan Page? Who gives a fuck about Scorpio Sky? Ethan Page, where's Josh Alexander? Oh, yeah, he is an impact wrestling killing it and having a great time. Scorpio Sky. This guy sucks as a singles. He sucks. He sucks. AEW, he's not Ricochet. Cut the shit. He's not Ricochet, even though Ricochet shit too. But Scorpio Sky, he needs, he needs to go with Frankie Kazarian. They need to become a tag team. Him as a singles, a joke. Him as a singles, a flop. Scorpio Sky feels like Otis, to be honest with you. He has that Otis vibe to him. Where Otis was forced to be in a singles and it flopped in their face. This is flopping in AEW's face. Scorpio Sky is being forced down our throats. Cut the stuff, okay? Ethan Page, I don't take him as a serious threat in the main event scene or just a singles tie. I see him as a tag team guy. Darby Allen and Sting, I love the combo. I love it. They are going to win. I got Sting and Darby Allen to beat Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. It's just going to be a boring match. I'm not interested in that match whatsoever. Next up for the AEW Tag Team Championships. The Young Bucks, the champs, versus Jon Moxley and Eddie Kingston. You got two best friends versus two brothers. Two real-life brothers. This is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hard-hitting. And this is tough. This is a tough one, man, because... John Moxley and Eddie Kingston are on a high. They are in the tax division. And they can't lose. They got to go on a streak. They have done that. But, you know, you're going to have them go on a streak and then they're going to ultimately lose against the Young Bucks. I don't like that whatsoever. But the Young Bucks, you got to find another team that are on their level. John Moxley's on their level from a single standpoint. Eddie Kingston, I don't feel like resonates like that, in my personal opinion. Eddie Kingston's phenomenal. I just don't see him as the guy in a tag team like that. It's kind of feel like a Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. Even though Marty Jannetty is not Eddie Kingston. Don't get it twisted, okay? Don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that, but it feels like that. The vibe is there. But Eddie Kingston is not Marty Jannetty, okay? You got two Shawn Michaels in here. But I think the Bucks are going to win. I think the Bucks are going to have Eddie Kingston get penned in this match. Those are the predictions for AEW double or nothing for AEW. And I want to get to another Jim Ross situation. Jim Ross was in the news a whole hell of a lot. And... We're going to be talking about Jim Ross, man. Jim Ross is crazy. Now, this is from Cultaholic.com. Shout out to everybody from Cultaholic. Jim Ross says, I quote, Storytelling is the most aspect of wrestling. Let me repeat that. Storytelling is the most important aspect of wrestling. Who has been saying that forever now? I have. Actually, I've been saying it for years, even before I made the podcast. 
Storytelling is so important because if you do not have a story to tell, it doesn't matter what you do in the ring. It really doesn't matter. I love that Jim Ross said that. Shout out to the King Jim Ross, man. Shout out to the GOAT Jim Ross. Finally, someone in the business coming out and saying that. I love it. So Jim Ross believes the biggest lesson to wrestling businesses needs to learn coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's just how important storytelling is. Ross was a part of WWE's regular scheduled broadcast of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown during his time with the promotion and now features for AEW every Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. The legend announcer revealed there were times going out for Raw when he didn't even know what the first match would be. That is ridiculous because of creative disagreements. Of course, creative disagreements. He's either creative or money. And he believes having coherent story trend is the most important aspect of the show. I completely agree with him. Storytelling is so important. A lot of people don't really understand that. They can't grasp that. They think characters are important. And yes, they're important. There are no characters in wrestling nowadays. We need more characters in pro wrestling. And I love, I want to shout out Corey Graves because Corey Graves during After the Bell mentioned that we need more characters in not only WWE, but we need more characters in pro wrestling. Pro wrestling needs characters. Pro wrestling needs storytelling. Those are the two aspects that are deeply missed in modern day professional wrestling, not the wrestling itself. My thing is, I'm more into the characters and storytelling because guess what? Before I continue this, the wrestling is going to be there. We have some of the best wrestlers in every single promotion around the world. They are going to kill it in that fucking ring. But if there's no story behind it, if there's no characters to invest and put our investment in, why are we going to care as a viewing audience? We're not. I don't care if they put on a five-star classic. I'll come up here and say they put on a great match. But I didn't give a fuck because there was no story. There was no characters to invest my time into. Period. Y'all know I'm right about that too. Y'all know I'm right. And I know the people that are listening to my show right now, you guys probably feel the same way. There's no way that you can tell me right now that I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. So Ross told Kevin Kellum of Sports Keto Wrestling, I quote, I think that we have to understand that our storytelling is the most important thing that we do. It's actually television got a certain elements that are coming along with it part of the package. I think we all know it's amazing to me that I've gone on TV on Raw back in the day without even a completed format. That's bullshit. You should have plans put in place weeks ahead of time. So then when Monday Night Raw comes, you already have a plan in place. You have the script. Give it to Vince and you go on whatever the fuck is on the script. These guys have to have a plan put in place weeks ahead of time, months ahead of time, especially months ahead of time for a specific storyline. 
you would have to have the ending. That's what you have to have first. Once you have the ending down pat, the beginning and the middle are going to come easy. They're going to come easy. If this, this whole article is pissing me off because it's ridiculous. The WWE does this a lot. AEW does it as well. You got to have an end. You have the end, the middle, and the beginning will be put right into place. I know I'm right. I'm getting passionate about it because it's just frustrating hearing this shit. So, like nothing, the writers and Vince had trouble setting on something. Of course they did. Because the writers had something completely different. But Vince McMahon had one thing set on his mind. And we're going to go with what Vince McMahon wants because this is his promotion. Hey, Vince, why won't you just trust your writers? They're the ones writing for your show. Why don't you take chances? And instead of always going with your idea because your idea is best, bullshit, I bet you majority of us ideas suck. And some of the writers need to get credit because I bet you some of those writers, not even just in WWE, but just in pro wrestling, these writers probably come up with great ideas. But they're always shot down because Vinny Mac, Vince McMahon, don't like it. He's not into it. He's going to do his idea. It's either his idea or the highway. Or get the fuck out. Period. Vince McMahon has to take chances. Vince McMahon really needs to start trusting his writers. Go with their ideas. Let's see if if, if their ideas work. And if not, okay, they don't work. Go with someone else or just go with your idea. Take risks. Take chances that's the problem with these promotions they don't take chances with anything and if they do they go half ass with it aew with fucking kenny omega and john moxley in a barbed wire match with a fucking explosion if you're gonna go all the way with it go all the way with it if not cut the shit and go with something else So, I'm going to continue. I quote, we had to go out there and we didn't know what the first match was. And then we'd wait for our formats to get out there. Might be the second or third segment of the show. Tony Khan is so ahead of things that we'll know what he's going to book next week before we go on air. There you go. Tony Khan knows what's good. He knows what needs to be done. You got to do that. That's what you got to do. Tony Khan knows the game. You got to have a plan put in place weeks and months ahead of time. And then when that day comes, you go exactly with what you wrote on the script. You have plans put in place. Stop the week-to-week booking, Vince. I know Tony Khan does this shit too. Stop the week-to-week shit. Have long-term plans. Oh, my God. It pisses me off. This can't be that hard, can it? It, it really can't. I, I'm finding a difficult time for this to even be possible. And this, you know, stuff like this to be that hard to do. I don't know, man. It's crazy. Now, I'm going to end the podcast. I went over an hour. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and my views and opinions on these topics that i'm bringing to you guys today so the last topic it came out of nowhere this morning and it has to do with wwe 
and New Japan Pro Wrestling possibly creating a partnership in pro wrestling. So this is from Ringside News. WWE has been making some very interesting moves in the last few months. Now they are discussing a deal that no fan saw coming. WWE President Nick Khan, no association with Tony Khan, is spearheading a deal to become the new exclusive United States partner for New Japan Pro Wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling has worked with AEW and Impact Wrestling recently. That quote-unquote forbidden door was opened and it provided an opportunity for even more matches. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter noted that a landmake deal between WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling could be on the way. At this time, there are no quote-unquote no indications where talks are at pass where they date back to late March or early April. This deal would include WWE sending talent to New Japan Pro Wrestling, including top stars. It was said that this deal between WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling was spearheaded by Nick Khan, who has changed the company's isolated attitude. There you go. Isolation. WWE, they're in this bubble. They're in their own bubble. Get the fuck out of the bubble. There are other promotions out there that you can work with that can not only benefit you, but they can benefit the other promotions that are not on your fucking level. AEW ain't even on your level. Cut the shit. AEW. AEW is going to have to be in the promotion, going to have to be in the wrestling game for decades to even trump the WWE. They will never trump the WWE. Now, from a creative standpoint, they're trumping WWE, even though they're making themselves look bad for, you know, booking outcomes that are fucking ridiculous. But AEW being ahead of WWE, get the fuck out of here. They ain't never going to be ahead of the WWE. Nobody's going to be ahead of the WWE. This isolation mentality from WWE, it's got to stop. They got to stop because that's embarrassing. You literally are putting yourself in your own bubble. You don't care about any wrestling promotion that are out there. You probably don't even think there's other promotions, but there's a lot of them. Impact Wrestling, NWA, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling, AEW, Evolve, AAA. There's other promotions that you can potentially partner up with that will benefit you and them as well but in this case if wwe does it they're going to try to more benefit them and not benefit the other promotion that is how wwe operates that mentality needs to be thrown out the door so with con the former isolated attitude of wwe versus everyone else is changing with the idea wwe is part of the wrestling landscape and not a separate from the wrestling landscape. Exactly. Like they think they're in their own fucking universe. They're in their own. Guess what? You're wrestling. Impact wrestling. AEW wrestling. NWA wrestling. AAA wrestling. You guys are have one thing in common. Wrestling. Cut the shit. Okay? Cut it out. Start partnering up with other people. That will benefit you. And will benefit that promotion that is working with you. Stop being isolated. That's not looking good for you. It's actually embarrassing. It's a joke. Start working with other people. 
Because it's going to benefit even the fans. It's going to benefit all fucking parties. Just do it. It's going to benefit everybody. I've said it before. The potential for professional wrestling in 2021 is fucking there. And it started with AEW working with Impact Wrestling and New Japan. If WWE gets involved, gets their hands in it, work with AEW. Work with the New Japan. Work with these guys. Work with these promotions. I want wrestling to get back in the mainstream. Right now, they're not in the mainstream right now. They're in a niche. I want wrestling to get back in the mainstream. The potential is there. Let's make it happen. I want all these promotions to succeed. I want Impact to succeed. I want AEW to succeed. I want NWA to succeed. I want the WWE to succeed. I want everybody to succeed, man. And you're not going to succeed if you're fucking standing in an island all by your goddamn self while everybody else is working together. They're going to be looking at you like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? You think you're whole almighty. You think you're God. Well, in this case, WWE is God because they are the best promotion in the world. Even though from a creative standpoint, it doesn't seem that way. But from a business standpoint, they are the best. They're the kingpins right now. Every other promotion is trying to work together to benefit not only themselves individually, but benefit the other promotions that they're working with. It's got to happen. It's going to benefit the wrestling business in a positive light. Stop being fucking isolated, okay? Fucking stop. It's, it's terrible. It's fucking terrible. WWE's intentions are also to keep New Japan from working with other promotions Oh my God, of course this would, of course this would be the fucking issue in WWE's eyes. Okay, you're working with the kingpin. You're working with the kingpin. I don't want you to go work for another kingpin. Okay, if you're working with one kingpin, you're working with one. You're not working with four or five of them. You're not working from a kingpin in AEW or a kingpin in Impact Wrestling or, you know, NWA. If you're working with the WWE kingpin, that's only what you're working with. You're working with one. You're not working with multiple other kingpins in the wrestling business. So I get that from WWE's perspective. I totally, totally get that. So WWE, like I said, their intention are to also keep AEW, or not AEW, excuse me, New Japan for wrestling from working with other promotions like AEW, which would strengthen WWE's option in the United States. It is also reported that many young superstars might have goals of working with New Japan. <clears throat> Daniel Bryan, as he's even come out and stated a while ago, that he would love for WWE to start working with other promotions, a la New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe this was a Daniel Bryan move. I don't know. It was also reported that many young superstars might have goals of working with New Japan, like I said, because they... Grew up watching tapes or YouTube. That's true. You know, there's a lot of guys that are in WWE that worked New Japan Pro Wrestling. So the article continues to say, the deal would see New Japan discontinue their working relationship with all the North American pro wrestling companies. There are a ton of questions regarding this deal that are not yet clear, but the two sides are apparently discussing the possibility of a working relationship. This is a positive and a negative. The positive is we might get some dream matches from 
New Japan Pro Wrestling and WWE. WWE stars appearing in Dominion and Wrestle Kingdom. Some New Japan Pro Wrestling stars appearing at SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, vice versa. That's the last topic of the day for the podcast, guys. Um, I'm going to finish up here. I went over an hour. I really hope you guys really enjoy what I brought to the table today. I went in depth into a lot of topics. Now, overall, this is, I would say it's kind of a negative. Here's why. We all know WWE's mentality. I said, I I read it in an article here. They're going to be working with New Japan. They only want New Japan to work with them. They don't want New Japan to work with other promotions. So that's a negative. Another negative is WWE might be greedy and try to buy New Japan Pro Wrestling and put them on quote-unquote Peacock, the WWE Network, quite possibly. That's another negative. I don't want fucking New Japan on Peacock. I don't want New Japan on the WWE Network. I want New Japan to do what New Japan wants to do, even though there are current reports that the management team in New Japan Pro Wrestling doesn't know what the fuck they want to do. Maybe this WWE deal is going to benefit those men that are in the business in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, you know, from a management standpoint, they don't know what they're doing. So maybe this is the best bet for them. Like I said, if New Japan Pro Wrestling works with WWE, they're only going to specifically be working with the WWE and no other wrestling promotion. This is a very interesting story. I will definitely keep my eye on this as the days roll on. I appreciate you guys listening to the Wrestling Takeover podcast today. Thank you so much. Make sure go and follow the podcast all over social media and subscribe and follow to the podcast on all podcast platforms. Thank you guys very much. I had a great time talking about these topics. I'm very passionate about pro wrestling. I love pro wrestling from a creative standpoint. And I love this podcast, man. It's giving me an outlet to talk about pro wrestling. I want to be in the business as a creative writer. That is my goal. And we're just going to keep trucking along. I love each and every one of you. Thank you for the continued love and support. I really wouldn't be here without you guys. And you guys wanting to even listening to what I have to say. It's a true blessing. And I can't thank you guys enough. It's the Creative King. I'm signing off today, and I will see you guys next time right here on the number one most creative wrestling podcast in the entire IWC. This is the Wrestling Takeover. I got the Glock in my robbery. 17 shots, no 38. Yeah, I got the Glock in my robbery. 17 shots, no 38. Yeah, she's fine.